If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The Team Never Quit podcast is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. Make a plan to do away with high-interest credit card debt by transferring your balance to a Navy Federal credit card. With a low intro APR and no balance transfer fees, you can pick the right card to help you save more. Check out NavyFederal.org for more information. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. It's a brand new year. If you guys haven't already, make sure you guys have followed us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, most importantly, YouTube, dropping new episodes every single week. We've got a really cool episode today for you guys. Marcus and Melanie are in the studio today, cutting this one. It's going to be a blast. But before we get to today's interview, let's jump to a Patreon question coming from Dave. This is going to be a good one for you guys. He says, why do special force operators always seem to sport a full beard? Instead of a half beard? Yeah. Instead of a half beard. <laughs> or instead of a goatee. Well, you were saying that the new guys coming out are starting to all rock the little mustache. The mustache. The mustache. Yeah. Bring, so, bringing it back. Pro photography stashes. Yeah. yeah. So it's a generational thing. So each, each generation of team guys had their own deal when they were in combat. We were only, we're only allowed to wear them when we're away from the flagpole. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the further away from the flagpole you are, the, the more. The, so then it just becomes a conversation. Because it used to be sideburns with us. But then when our wars kicked off, we got the, the first crew that got the beard going, then it was just on. Yeah. And we got the cool badges that said we were allowed to relax our <laughs> grooming standards. It's, it's just a thing, right? And um, since we did the beards, the next the, the other guys after the younger generation are doing the stashes. Yeah. I Which, mean, full on stashes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like 80s. I, I had a pretty. Yeah, overseas, pretty man. A good yeah. porn stash, man. Yeah. Just freaking rocking yeah. it. Yeah. You know, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Right. So. Correct. <laughs> Actually, I'm going yeah, to grow a beard. I'm going to grow a big one. Man. <laughs> Yeah. When our, the, we had been operating for a while. I just kind of dropped in, so the guys had been there. And this one guy, he had an awesome, I mean, under the eyelids, beard, kind of all the way down <laughs> to the chest. And he, I remember, he went and shaved, and he had come back and that, that day. And we were standing there, we were sitting there, him. had no idea who he was. He, he kind of looked, as we were talking, I was giving him the sideways thing. He's like, you don't even recognize me, do you? I'm like, no, he's, it's me. And I was we like, oh, that. When man. He, he just got his trimmed up, and he came home, and we all just looked at him. Oh, and we're yeah. Like, <laughs> None of them liked it. Yeah. Uh, I was like, you look like a baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Yeah. It's grown Start back off. in, though. 
Yeah, yeah he can grow a sick fresh. beard, but that stash was amazing. They were comparing you to the guy from the show, The Gallagher. Shameless Frank Gallagher. Yeah, they Gallagher, did a side yeah. by side. He looked <laughs> just oh like him. Oh my God. You guys, oh, Andrew, you'll have that, to pull yeah. up the picture. <laughs> I will. <laughs> yeah, pull up the picture. So Donut Operator did a side by side of it, and people were like, oh my gosh, it's uncanny. Yeah, it he looks pretty... just like Frank Gallagher. That is hilarious. But that's how he was on deployment. But that was some of the younger guys that were doing that, and you were rocking the full stash. Yeah, I think everybody rocked a stash at deployment for this sure. This past one. The, yeah. And it also kind of depends on what country country you're in because mm -hmm. it's a it's a sign of uh respect, respect over right. there for the men to have beards so when we when we do a lot of village ops and out, out in those areas that's part of it yeah when you're doing a lot of meetups with the shakes right. and everything they, they don't respect and not one guy have. can have it and the other one couldn't that's not how we work yeah because <laughs> <laughs> what if i gotta go with you it's you know i'm gonna have to have a beard <laughs> yeah well, and the guys look sexy with beards. Thank you. There's That's that true. Too. I told yeah. you. I mean, there, there is that. that. There, there is that. You feel sexier with a beard. We do, right? Hey, yes. come on. Lumberjack. <laughs> we do the hat thing with the tattoos. <laughs> yeah. yeah, lumberjack. That's right. Lumberjack. What movie? What movie is Step it? Step Brothers. Come on. Yeah. Best movie. <laughs> Dave, thanks so much for the Patreon question. Hey, guys, if you want to get your Patreon question in, make sure to join us, patreon.com slash teamneverquit. We got some exclusive merch. We do live streams just for your Patreon members. It's a lot of fun. But now it's time to get to our guests. We've got some great guests in store. Navy SEAL Chief Eddie Gallagher and his wife, Andrea. Eddie is a highly decorated combat veteran with nine deployments to war zones in Africa, Afghanistan, and Iraq. And his wife, Andrea, has been his biggest advocate and has maintained that her husband is innocent and made sure the world knew his side of the story. She spearheaded the Free Eddie campaign on Twitter and had her friends help. Welcome to the show, Eddie and Andrea. Thanks for Thank having us. Thank you for having us. Thank it's you for coming. It's an honor to be here. Finally got you here. Yeah, it's been, it's been a long time. Welcome to Valhalla, man. This place is amazing. Yeah. yeah. So you guys uh, have been on a heck of a journey the last year plus, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's still going. Our 2020 started a while ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right, when, when did yeah. it all start? When did that roll in? It was uh, the end of 19, right? No, this you know, was... 2017. Was the, the deployment. Yeah, so at the end of that deployment is sort of when everything was kicked off. Very uh, undercurrent. Yeah, and we kept it to ourselves. You know, we were because it was so ridiculous. We're like, this is just going to go away. Or, you know, somebody's going to, an adult's going to step in the room and do something. But it just didn't happen. And from there, it just kept escalating uh, to where it got to. Yeah. <laughs> Everything kind of escalated in those three, those 17 kicked up. Yeah, 17. Yeah, yeah. Off. Like our own little Armageddon. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. For sure. So, yeah, it was... Uh, crazy. Yeah, what, three Dealing over like three years and yeah. then... Um, he just retired just over a year ago because it was November... Last December, yeah. Yeah, December November... First. Um, yeah, or December 2019. So it was just like... It's crazy to think we've only been out of the military just over a year. My gosh. Yeah. And the transition itself oh is my gosh. so hard to go yeah. through. I guess if you're going to get out, that's the way to do it, bro. I that's mean, and to I, do it in 2020. Yeah, a lot of up in a med board or something else. But I mean, just do it. That <laughs> yeah, a boy. It's, it's, as far as team guys yeah. go, that was a hard. You were the hardest. <laughs> like it's like, it's like the selection process to get out. You know? <laughs> right. It's like, we'll who, see. Who can do it the hardest? Yeah. Man, some of us. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Mm -hmm. So I, what I want to focus on, because y'all have told your story to a lot of different mm -hmm. um, podcasts and you're sharing your story in a book coming out um, soon. Yep. And the name of it is... Um, the Man in the, the Arena. The Man in the Arena. Um, I pre-ordered mine. So Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for I'm pre-ordering right, right now. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> under the table. Under the table. <laughs> but um, 
what I think for our podcast today, what we'd like to focus on is your fight during, I don't want to go too deep into like what actually happened. Everybody knows what you were imprisoned Mm-hmm. without even being convicted charged, mm-hmm. or, yeah. or charged. charged. Yeah. You had no charge, but you were imprisoned, um, which I think is crazy that they can do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but through that time, how many months was that? That was, uh, it was nine months of confinement total. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And through that, Andrea, I mean, you were fighting tooth and nail through that whole time to, share the story mm-hmm. to get it out there like not only everybody gather around and pray for my husband but get him out mm-hmm. like this is not fair can you share a little bit of like your insight on yeah. from the day they took him and like how um how all of that went down yeah so the day they took him was actually September 11th 2018 um, and Is that right? Him, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah injury. It was, to it was done on purpose. Really? Yeah. 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 Most of what they did was very targeted and kind of to terrorize our family. So, um, just to give the context, the deployment itself was 2017. So he was gone roughly, I think, February to September-ish, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then when he came back, I mean, the the backstory that really few people realize because when everything was happening behind the scenes, none of this was ever about war crimes. It was mm-hmm. so ridiculous. It was like, I mean. As the wives, we know that team guys are more like high school cheerleaders Mm -hmm. as the gossip train goes than Mm -hmm. what people picture. And so for me, I just seeing the kind of escalation of allegations and then like the targeting of him, we really just didn't think anything was going to come of it. And we just were laughing it off because every deployment at the end deployment, the guys are ready to punch each other in the face. And like old school guys, that's what you would do. Now it's the new school and that's not permissible. So I think it was more passive aggressive. And when they came back and everything started to ramp up was beginning of 2018, NCIS got involved. So by April of 2018, NCIS had picked up what was, you know, kind of this developing case that started about accusations of him being too aggressive and he was mean to them and he called them out and called them cowards. He did little petty things. They were saying like, oh, he stole from care packages or whatever. All of this was just... How do you do that? I still don't know. Yeah, we still don't know. <laughs> to yeah. Actually, to give a shout yeah, out, yeah, it was badass good. boxes. Andrea oh, was from Brad- Badass Boxes. We Which had coordinated the boxes to come. I... Put together the yeah. box, like so. I was ordering care packages Community for care the packages. whole platoon. That would come like fifteen packages at a time, and it was badass boxes. It was amazing. Yeah. And so when it would come, it would just be like open them up and take you know yeah. whatever you want. And mm-hmm. they just took that, and they were like, oh, I mean, I still don't know how they came up with this. First of all, the chief, I, not only am I going to take this, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to come into your room and take yeah. whatever one out of there. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that works. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, I mean, I don't even know what you're talking about. Even to complain about that is, is stifling. Yeah. Back yeah. this, I want to know, how'd y'all meet? Oh, we're going to go way back then. Uh, yeah. I mean, to, to go through something like the, the, y'all went through like together. Yeah, we can. It's actually Yeah, good. we can start at the it's beginning. It's a pretty good story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were best friends in high school. Uh, I think it was around 16, 17. Uh, we ended up, I snuck out of the house one night and she had... Also snuck, snuck out. out. We house. met up through mutual friends and were up to no good and just became 
best friends from there, like hung out all the time. This uh, is in Indiana? Indiana. Yes. Yep, Fort Wayne, yeah. Indiana. And then uh, we both went to a year of, well, attempted a year of IPFW. <laughs> uh, community college community together. Community college. And I was like, this isn't for me. So that's when I joined, I joined the Navy and she went down to Florida. I went to fashion design school, yeah. so I left. We were both basically just trying to get out of our little town. So I went to fashion design school in Florida. He joined the military. Yeah. We kind of parted ways for quite a while, over a decade, or just about oh, really? a decade. Well, yeah. Was it that long? Yeah. Because yeah. we met when we were 16, 17, yeah, and then okay. we got back together when he had just... I just finished uh, Sockham, and oh. so I was driving back from uh, North Carolina to San Diego to check in a Team 1, uh, stopped off mm-hmm. in Fort Wayne. And just out of the blue, like, called her mom just to see how she was doing. Because I was like, oh, you know, I was thinking about her. And she was uh, single <laughs> recently mom single with mom with two kids. kids. <laughs> Who wouldn't want it? <laughs> but, yeah, we uh, ended up linking yeah. back up. And that was it. We both knew, like, we were supposed to be together. And yeah. uh, we made it work. I had no idea what a Navy SEAL was. No. I had no idea. And, and that's really what everyone says. Yeah. Like, we laugh when people are like, you knew what you were getting into. I'm like... I literally didn't. <laughs> I did not know anything about the military. I did not know what Navy SEALs were. Yeah. Um, so, and he her was parents, pretty tight lipped. Your parents thought I worked with uh, SEALs. Actual, like, yeah, dolphins and SEALs. Literal <laughs> SEALs, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah, my mom was like, so on a ship and, like, SEALs? No, oh, she was like, my... what's he doing in Iraq? There's no dolphins or SEALs. <laughs> oh, <there."> my God. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to find them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, That's we did a long-distance so relationship uh, yeah. for the first platoon, which was uh, pretty that crazy. Was to and Iraq, then, um, right? Yeah, and then ended up moving her out, her and the kids out after mm-hmm. that, and it's... So we ended up in San Diego by 2008, and that's what started. So his career with SEAL Team 1 was where we kind of entered at that point. And then he stayed with SEAL Team 1 for a while. It's a great – that was a great experience. That's our crew. Like, as you guys probably know, like, Mm -hmm. the people that you start with, you really develop such a tight bond. So we're still best friends with all of those couples. A lot of guys won't leave the same – their fraternity house to go to another Mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah. Back when we came in, it was different. It was right before State 21, so the platoons were jocked up. Guys would just go over by themselves, yep. the leader of the LT, right? Yeah. And the chief. And then that whole switch took place. But yeah, even in our even in the teams, as small as we are, then you have the cliques and crews and families, mm-hmm. and it's just the way it is. So yeah. did you get married in 2008? So we were married in 2007, and then we did our very first deployment apart, and then we fought to relocate the kids from Indiana to San Diego, and that's when we moved. We actually were in the same house. The village at NTC um, is where we moved into, and we were there for about 11 years. Um, so, yeah, we, we raised the children there. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Ryan there. Um, so, yeah, that's where our family kind of came up in the teams and in the SEAL community. So it was a big learning curve for me yeah. personally. <laughs> Yeah, especially one. Oh, that's a big deal. One and two, you know, they're funny about. It. That's right. No fun Stalingrad one. Yeah, no fun one. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love. I love being at one. That was. That's definitely. My Everybody favorite. does. Yeah. All JT and all the guys, like boss on them when they were. Yep. When we all got separated, the guys that went to one, they were like, "Oh, it's not that bad." I'm like, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all do have their own unique personalities. Yeah. Sure. Like, we Team definitely... Seven was completely different than yeah. one for sure. 
Oh, Club Five. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, no fun one, busting two. You know, you get poor four, right? You just That's go right. all the way down with it. He's yeah. one of Club Five was the best. You know, they have all these names. Oh, yeah. They do. They're the rock stars. Unique, I thought, right. I thought that they was are. a joke until I checked it. I was like, oh, yeah, five's going to be right where I need to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very true. After so. Red Wing, too. Yeah. Well, I needed a break. <laughs> and then they sent us to Ramadi, right? Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, what a break that was. Yeah. But, no, I loved it there. Oh my gosh. I love it there. Yeah, it's oh. good times. Um, so you've got you've that so you've been married since two thousand seven, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then okay, so fast forward back to yeah the horrors of two thousand and eighteen. Yeah. He, he pretty much deployed back to back to back to back. He never stopped. He went for a little brief stint at Buds, but that was when it was like a skeleton <laughs> crew, and it was not a break. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was literally like a freight train. The whole career was just nonstop, nonstop. He loved what he did. I'm sure like you, Marcus, just like he was obsessed with it. And I was just along for the ride and raising the kids and kind of keeping down the home front. And so, yeah, this last appointment that we went on in 2017 was really kind of the precipice of like, he was going to be doing his chief's platoon. And we had really hit our stride. I mean, it was a huge learning curve. I cannot overstate that enough Mm -hmm. for me, for us to learn how to be a supportive spouse and knowing that his first love was the SEAL teams. There yeah. was no, <laughs> yeah, there was no, uh, you know, buts about that. And it was just really for me, I relied tremendously on my faith and God to sustain me. And so that culmination just grew for me more and more and more, just trusting that God was going to protect him and keep him safe. And he really, you know, he had successfully kind of evaded picking up rank in order to just stay That's operational. Yes. No, it really is. Yeah. No, I mean, I and he yeah, can talk I'm more about that. I could not understand it. His family, which is all <laughs> officers, was like, what are you doing? Yeah. But he was very adamant. He wanted to stay operational. He stayed E6 crew forever. Yeah. <laughs> successfully for a while. Yeah. 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 But. Yeah. I mean, it was... Uh, Definitely a learning curve. I mean, it was a learning curve for both of us, you know, as as far as, you know, I didn't tell her what a SEAL was. She pretty much came out to San Diego and sort of figured it out on the fly. But, me in the I mean, <laughs> I was also figuring out on the fly. I was a new guy. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, there was a lot of, like, bumps in the road through that whole time. I mean, coming back from combat deployments or just deployments in general, doing the whole reintegration thing. Yeah. I think the further, like, the more deployments we got along, the the more we got used to it or we got, we, like she said, we found our stride. Um, but it was, I mean, I wouldn't give it back for anything. I think it, it just made, that's honestly, I think all of that, that we went through just in the career alone yeah. and, you know, all the ups and downs, losing friends, uh, just built us up to what we had to deal with the last two years. I mean, I think that was part of the resilience that mm-hmm. came with what she did. Um, and same with my kids, you mm-hmm. know, they, they went through, I you know, I can't even imagine what they went through the past two years and what was going on. But they remained yeah. like strong, like steadfast the whole time, just you know, not that's breaking down. She was. And that's yeah. yeah. She was the rock, um, which she has always been. I mean, that's through the whole career. I mean, they. Yeah. I was like you know we're in and out. Mm. We're pretty much ghost parents. Uh, and sometimes a hot mess. <laughs> yes. Every once sometimes. in a while. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Which point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Own it. You knew that. Yeah, they, come on. You know well, we and are. Not only are you a mom of That's right, yeah. three, <laughs> and your husband's deploying. You were running a business mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I mean, you had a pretty big 
business with your um, better babes. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Yeah, better business, babe. So I was doing, you know, and I I just relaunched it, but I'm start. I was doing, you know, branding and marketing and kind of development of small businesses. And so, um, the interesting thing is, so when all of this hit, you know, I mean, again, like we had said, like we really. We both had such an emphasis like on our faith and what was getting us through was that. I mean, there's I don't know how people in that community and the SEAL teams make it through without it because it is it's very tumultuous. So by the time he had come back from that deployment, um, again, we had really hit our stride. I felt like I was just operating on the home front. I was like you said, I was like feeling like, okay, like he's doing what he loves to do. I had my own identity, which I think successful team wives inevitably do not put themselves as a trident where they mm-hmm. develop their own identity, they develop their own way of how are they going to show up in the world. And so mm-hmm. I was doing that. He was doing his thing. He had just picked up chief. He was killing it. He was um, voted number one chief. I, I can say this. He won't say that. But mm-hmm. but he was. It was number one chief, uh, you know, and the platoon he had brought up from the last performing to the top performing. And they had gotten the billet to Mosul. It was huge for him. And they had cleared Mosul in half the time. I mean, we were ending that deployment on a huge high note, you know, and we were, by this time we're like seasoned, crusty, you know, <laughs> team people. At, we're, we weren't even 40. Mm-hmm. And so we really... Um, we ended that deployment. The reintegration was so seamless. I mean, we, I think we were both just in a really good place, which is the irony of like all of this being birthed, this total chaos ball burst mm-hmm. out of this, was that it couldn't have been more polar to like what we personally as a family were experiencing. Um, so we basically, you know, we trusted the teams. We trusted the community. We knew, like, okay, someone's going to figure this out. Um, all of these allegations will be sorted out, um, as petty as they were. But it was just like a growing rumor mill that continued to kind of like go out of control. So, as you guys know, a lot of these stories are shared over, you know, multiple beers at Danny's or McPee's, mm-hmm. and it's like, this is ludicrous. Not nothing's going to happen, and it did. It spiraled out of control to the point in 2018 um, when NCS got involved. Um, in April, they, I basically had started to plan to raid our home, and they did raid our home in June of 2018. So the family home that we lived at for the 11 years was where they raided, and they had locked Eddie up that morning. This is prior to them taking him and throwing him in jail. So that's another confusing piece. Mm-hmm. People, people confuse the timeline. So um, the deployment was 2017. Um, the home raid itself was in 2018 of June, and we were not there. Um, there was no adults present. My son Trevin June had what, just turned 18. 2018. Was it oh. June, June 20th? June 20th. Yeah. 
2018. Um, and so yes, we. June 28th. <laughs> 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 to him, June 28th is always a horrible. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Horrible. But I mean, there is a lot of parallels guys, within timelines. Yeah. Um, but we, you can tell your side of the story as far as they took you. Uh, yeah. I mean, we were dealing. I came back from that deployment and I kept work at work like I tried to. I didn't really tell her too much about the little petty drama that was going on in the platoon because it was nothing out of the norm. It was like, okay, whatever, this will dissipate at some point. Uh, but then when it started escalating more at work um, and I, I was sort of like, I didn't know what to do, you know. So I, you know, I came back and was talking to her about it. Um, and uh, we both were just like, you know what, this is dumb. We'll take the high road. I had a meeting with the platoon. Um, it's like get everything out in the open. Um, not, you know, nothing pertinent was said during that. It was the same thing. I, you took care, but you know, power bars and care packages, blah blah blah. Um, we ended it with like, let's just move on. Let's crush this drama. You know, this isn't going to end up well for anybody. Um, but they decided to keep escalating it. Uh, you know, and I I was hearing things around the team, guys were coming up to me like, dude, these guys are talking trash or saying this and this. Um, again, I paid it no mind. I was sort of like, I had already got over to trade it, was beginning to do my SCA there, and I was moving on with my career, just like I had told them. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to give you guys a second thought. Like, I'm mm -hmm. going on with my, my own career. Um, but then I got told, I got pulled out of South and got told like, hey, you're, we're pulling you out. You're no longer going to work here. Um, and, uh, this is, they're saying that you committed war crimes and they have you on video doing it. <laughs> and I, you know, when I, they pulled me out and said that, I told them straight up, I'm like, no. They, well, it was bullshit, right? I mean, they, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, this is bullshit. I was like, this isn't true. Mm -hmm. The command decided to go forward with it anyways. Um, they were like, you know, we're still going to pull you out and we'll see where this goes. Um, as soon as that happened, I knew you could feel it like I was being shunned across the board. I got... Pulled out, put in office for about a month and a half with no job. And then from there, they shift me over to supply. Um, when that happened, I was like, all right, I get what's going on here. You know, this is where they send either, you know, the shippers of the community or whatever. So obviously, I was like, this isn't this isn't good. So I'd come home and it, I was going, it was pretty rough for me at that time. I was frustrated uh, mm -hmm. and I was, you know, leaning on her a lot, coming back and just, you know, didn't know what to do. But it wasn't until... Uh, our house got raided in June. That was sort of like the tipping point of, okay, this is real. Like, this is way beyond what we mm -hmm. thought. Um, and at that point, I mean, no leadership, nobody from the command would even talk to me or us. Yeah, uh, no one They sort of just us. let us out, you know, to hang. And they're like, hey, whatever happens, happens to you. Um, I decided, we decided at that point to we're going to retire because i had no plans in retiring i mean i was probably going to push it to 30. uh started putting in for retirement prepping to get out uh going through all like the you know went through the honor foundation and everything else for transition and we also bought a house in florida during that time because that's where we're going to retire um <clears throat> i moved the we moved down right was like a week after the yeah, house got it was raided. a week a week later we we moved i moved them to florida um, and then I came back to San Diego and I was just going to geo batch until I got out. Uh, at that point I went to, uh, Intrepid Spear, which is like a branch off of NICO, um, to it's get, a great program. to get treated for all the injuries over the past 20 years, you know, typical because I had, my med record was super thin. Um, and it was about a week and a half, two weeks into theirs when 
they came to on September 11th and put me in handcuffs and threw me in prison and was for no like nobody could tell me why no they charges were, no from charges. Intrepid they took you out of a yeah took me out of a TBI during, clinic uh, meditation <laughs> yeah you cannot was, make this stuff no up. it was uh, I mean you know we laugh about it now obviously but yeah it was it was crazy um, so yeah they locked me up uh, yeah. no no like anything explained to me just and they threw me in solitary right off the bat um, I got one five minute phone call which. I called a lawyer that we sort of had on standby, told him what happened, and that was that was, that was it. He's like, "There's no bail system. Um, the only way you can get out is a uh, they'll have a hearing. It's called an IRO initial review hearing, where they deem whether you're dangerous dangerous enough to keep in prison, or we'll let you out into your trial." Um, went to the IRO and they used every qualification. Um, that I've been to every school oh, that I've sure, been yeah. to, Against you know, them. you're a seal, you're dangerous, you could escape anywhere. Um, and then the kicker was, uh, a neighbor of ours who was one of the guys in my platoon had wrote a note, a letter saying that I was stalking him when I was, I would walk my dogs, my French bulldogs past his house and that him and his wife were scared for their lives. And that was enough for them to be like, you're not leaving. And, Same guy said that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they got him to sign off on that letter, which during the trial we proved that they basically it was that all letter was written. It was the written day after. that I was put in prison. So they <laughs> called him up and like, hey, if you write this letter, he'll stay in there. So, so. To just to explain to people with a UCMJ, I mean, it's like a third world country. Basically, you cannot throw people in jail without charges. But in the UCMJ, so that's Uniform Code of Military Justice, which I've learned way more than I ever wanted to know about. Um, it is possible. So, but you do have to have parameters. So that was basically enabling one of those parameters to be filled. That if someone would say that he is a threat to them, that then they had. The what they needed to basically hold him in jail, and they did that. And that and continued they, on too. Yeah. I mean, even after the trial, after I was, you know, found innocent of everything, uh, they wouldn't let me. I was banned from all the SEAL bases still. And the reason they gave me was the guys that accused me or took the stand against me were now even more scared of me that I was out and about. And so they were like, "Well, you can't go on because they work on those bases. We don't want to scare them, so you have to, you know, go to this other base where nobody is." Um, it was it it was ridiculous, uh, but either well, way. Well, and to say a Navy SEAL is scared of another Navy SEAL, like well, we didn't even know he was involved. No, like we would see this guy, and like I'd wave at him, like I'd go for a run or see him, you know, yeah. do the head nod to him and his wife, n- not knowing the whole time they were. I mean, he was literally he volunteered for NCIS uh, to help them, so he was um, staking our house out. Mm-hmm writing notes like, oh, he works out at this time, he goes here at this time, I mean, everything, and gave it to NCIS. And, I mean, (laughs) yeah, it was pretty nuts just to know, like, that was going on and sort of, you know, see that guy, and we're always, you know, we weren't taught, we weren't, like, super friendly with him, but we, you know, say hi or whatever. I mean, I can't go into how many times your story correlates with Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, to a T. Like, somebody was writing it out while you were having to go through it. It's And now you're through it. Yeah. That's what I want to hear about. Now what? Yeah. What yeah. we got? What's up now? Because y'all well, came out of there like a shotgun. But also, I mean, while he's being pulled out of meditation from a yeah. clinic at your house, 
Ryan's being pulled out and your daughter or at the house, right? Was Trevin so there? So it was Trevin and Ryan and that was in June. Uh-huh. So they had they, they had done multiple things to our mm-hmm. family, but the home raid was in June of 2018. Mm-hmm. When he was in the clinic mm-hmm. for the TBI, that was in September. So that okay. was on September 11th. So mm-hmm. that was the second time that they had kind of taken him, but that time they took him to jail. And that's really when I came out yeah. with what was going on. Because well, we I, had not said anything for yeah. the most part. Can you explain that day? Because I think a lot yeah. of people don't even know that part. Yeah. So basically on that day, you know, obviously September 11th is such a somber day, especially for people in the military community. And I had woken up and I was listening to a podcast. And I shared this when I was on with Marcus last time and my brother-in-law, Sean, that um, it was about Joseph. And um, how Joseph is just like thrown in jail by his brothers. So that's another correlation that I've made previously. And within that story, I just was getting a lot of, I felt like God was just sharing that with me for a reason. So when he called that day, um, I had shared with him that. And he basically, you know, was having a rough day. It was like he was going to these classes and he was trying to get things out of it. Um, But it was like really hard for him, I think, because the transition itself is so difficult. And then he's trying to deal with all of these things that he hasn't had a chance to deal with. So, you know, he always hears me out. But at the same time, I think he was kind of like, okay, babe. Um, So I was sharing that story with him. And then we kind of hung up. We were going to connect later in the day. He was busy with classes. And he was, I think, heading later that day to the meditation class. I didn't end up hearing from him at all until I got the call from the lawyer and the lawyer had indicated that they had come, they had taken Eddie um, and they had taken him to jail. And I didn't know it was possible. Like, again, like, like the home raid, I'm like, I did not know this is possible. And like the level of like terrorizing that was being inflicted on our family. I mean, it, it just shocked me to the core. And I thought, Mm -hmm. you know, no one's coming to help us. Like, Mm -hmm. This has spiraled out of control. We were the only ones that knew the full truth as far as where it started, where it was, and like where it was going was completely off the rails. And so I waited probably a couple days because we were just feeling out, what does this look like? He's in jail. He's in solitary. I cannot communicate with him. He's supposed to have this hearing. And I kept telling myself, everything is going to get figured out. Like this hearing will prove... And I can remember him calling me the day of the IRO hearing. So it was supposed to be 72 after, 72 hours, I think, after they yeah. took you. Um, it was a little more than that. And I can just remember one of our friends calling and was like, yeah, he's not getting out. And then later that day, Eddie called me. And you could just hear it in his voice. He was just rocked to the core. Like the stuff they said about him, the prosecution, this was the first time he had any interaction with them. And he was just like, the truth doesn't matter. The stuff they said about me is insane. And that's when I think I really just something inside of me shifted. I was like, oh, no way. They're not doing this. They're mm-hmm. not doing this to him after all he gave <laughs> and all these years. And so I wrote, I wrote an email um, along with my brother-in-law, and it was called To the Real Brotherhood. And it was just basically a coming out letter about everything that had happened from 2017 on. And kind of that was the beginning of me speaking out. Mm-hmm. Well, and marriage is hard enough. Yes. <laughs> marriage in the teams is even harder. Mm-hmm. Marriage 
in the transition mm-hmm. is even harder. And then dealing with this, mm-hmm. most women, I feel like, would just throw in the towel because it's too stressful. Mm-hmm. Even if she does love her husband or whatever, I feel like the amount of stress that that would cause would cause a marriage to break. Mm-hmm. But instead, you, I feel like, turned into a lioness and just (laughs) fought. And that, I mean, that was one of the things that really hit me through that whole time period was just how you stuck by his side, Mm -hmm. no matter what they were saying in the news, Mm -hmm. what people were saying on social media. I mean, you were like, no, this is the truth. This Mm -hmm. is, you know, the truth will prevail no matter what happens. And I found that so admirable how you fought for him and ignored the stresses that it was taking on you and your family. And you really didn't even let your kids experience the stress. Mm -hmm. You, you kept that household tight Mm -hmm. and, you know, I don't know. I just, I find that very powerful. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's for me. And I mean, I said this the last time with, the podcast with Marcus, I truly, and that's why I bring up the story of Joseph. I truly feel that God called us to this. I feel like he let Eddie experience this. He let us go through this for a purpose. And that purpose is way bigger than us. Mm -hmm. And I think that this, as you guys have had such an effect through the trauma that Marcus went through, you have blessed countless millions of people. And that's ultimately what the story of Joseph is. Like, because of what his brothers did to him, he was put in a place of power as the second in command over Egypt that he would have never been in if he would have not gone through the heartache of the betrayal and all of that. And so we've definitely used that story as kind of like, you know, a guiding light for us during that time. And I never once believed that he was going to go away. I knew that God was going to use it for a purpose. I knew that I had to stay strong. I knew that it wasn't just about us. It was about everyone else in that community. If they can do this to us, they can do this to anyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys are heroes. And the fact that they could just, I mean, Eddie has a phrase he's kind of coined, like these guys sign up and they know they're expendable. Like Marcus was willing to give his life. Eddie was willing to give his life. And many of their friends have. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they are not disposable. What the government and NCIS and the prosecution and the command and hierarchy allowed to happen because they were more concerned about protecting an institution than they were protecting one of their warfighters that served 20 years, it is the biggest black eye, but we're going to use it to make hopefully an impact on a larger scale to bring change to not only the UCMJ, but the way that we treat our service members. Mm -hmm. You cannot dispose of these people. And as you've said, as we've talked about, we've talked a lot Mm -hmm. about the transition with these guys. I mean, they're a handful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Y'all are. (laughs) Two handfuls. Well, and I'm married. Oh, hey, you don't need us in here, man. Yeah, you want to yeah, go? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just enjoying having a blast. Like, yeah. I married yeah. into transition. Yeah, I I didn't experience the deployments and all right. of that. So I married him while he was, you know, in. I think for Marcus, he got out in a time period where all of his friends were still in.
So he didn't really have anybody to lean on Mm -hmm. that was, you know, getting out at the same time or anything where I feel like now there's a bunch of guys going through transition and you kind of connect and do that together. Marcus didn't have anybody. He was kind of just thrown to the wolves and then thrown into the public eye, which was also yeah. not what yeah. he and ever intended. Team guys dying all the time. Mm-hmm. All of our guys still dying a lot. Yep. Yeah. So she had, I meet him and then she goes within a year, extortion yeah. happened. And yes. I mean, so much after that, it was just, it was, it's crazy. It really and is crazy. Drinking from a fire hose right there. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, I don't know. I just I our know. situation's unique. All team guys are team guys, and we just yeah. you just say team guys are bitches. I was like, well, that's how I know they're a team guy. You know, that's what's what we do with each other kind mm-hmm. of deal. But um, it's hard to step in those individual when they pull us away from the guys, and we have to oh, go yeah. down our own hell hole kind of deal. Yeah. I mean, by yourself is terrible. Yeah, yeah, because they pull them away from us, and then we have them. Right. right. And that's that's kind of the the lesson. Mm-hmm. Like, a, you know, give praise to false glowing objects, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, yeah. That's the one that you... Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. the best thing about transition for the guys I have found is to be around other guys. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's why our house is a revolving door, really. We just... Anybody that <laughs> needs to come over comes over because mm-hmm. it's good for Marcus. It's good for the guys. They do need each other. They They're do. very communal. Like you guys are pack animals. Pack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to recharge. Yeah. Even if they never served together mm-hmm. or if even if they didn't know each other in the teams, like it they're all alike. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and we've talked about that a lot because you and I, I obviously, as you just alluded to, I reached out to you after when he was thrown in jail, I compare it to like, you know, him being put on a deserted island. He had no way to know what was going on. And this mounting like free eddy campaign was turning into like an avalanche. And I was like I don't know if you understand, but like now you are a known <laughs> yeah. person. I did not understand. Yeah, he yeah. didn't understand. And that's why I had reached out to you. And I think we had found a commonality in there because mm-hmm. Marcus didn't ask for that. He didn't mm-hmm. ask for that. He didn't want that. I had to, out of necessity, because they were trying to railroad us silently, I had to make his story Mm-hmm. known to save him and to save our family. And so it has had unintended consequences for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we're, yeah, it's, I mean, she's the true hero of the story. Like that's, I say that all the time, but I mean, it's, uh, it's the truth. Like, I mean, I just had to sit in prison for nine months and not, you know, maintain my sanity, which we had talked about yesterday, which we're, Team guys are meant to thrive in chaos or misery. Like mm-hmm. we, well, you can put us in any place, and we'll find a way to adapt and take over somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I mean, I was dealing with that when I was in there, and you know, it was not like smooth sailing, but I mean, I was finding ways to survive, doing little things there to win one over or whatever. But she was, I mean, the, I still can't fathom the amount of work and everything that she put into it. I mean, I always knew that's why I married her. I knew she was just this strong, you know, beautiful woman that didn't take any shit from anybody. Uh, and I've always known how, you know, how strong-headed she is and how smart she is, but then this situation sort of let the world know, you know, yeah. like who she is and she she killed it. Um, yeah. you know, it's uh it's amazing. And that's her and my uh, little brother too. Yeah, you know, Sean. I don't want to, Sean is he's another one. That's what we were joking about last night with the movie Coming to America. 
guys were talking about, well, how do you, but in the wedding scene, it's reverse for us now. It's yeah. like, how do you, what do you guys like to do? Whatever my Whatever wife you likes like. to do. <laughs> Whatever my life. Yeah. Where do you want to eat? Wherever, Wherever you, you want to eat. <laughs> so while you're in <laughs> How do you go through something like that with them? Like when they take us, our ability to fight away. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's what happens, exactly right? what yeah. they did. Like they, yeah. that's when they beat us down and we can't get back up and do what we do. Then, um, well, it's a very humbling experience. And oh, like, sure. so it, that's where the parallels of like, if you look at what they did to him when they raided our home, they put him away in a room, they locked him away, and they went after me and our children. Mm-hmm. And they took our boys out at gunpoint and into the streets in their underwear. I mean, I can remember only really ever seeing him like this probably two to three times in my life. It was after losing Aaron, Vaughn, and extortion, like just seeing his eyes wide open. You can't even see anything other than the pupil. Mm-hmm. And it was just like his eyes were wide open and just tears because that night I was just like in another mm-hmm. level of a planet. And he was like, do you understand that these people were not qualified to do this. And if one of them sneezed, if one of them tripped, if one of them hit another person, that in this course of holding machine guns and assault rifles at our children, they could have blown our kids' brains across the room. And I just sat there because I am naive. I don't know what it's like to do you know, house runs in CQC and taking down a house. And what they did to us was like laying siege to our house. They had 20, 25 people fully kitted up, like ready to go to war with assault rifles and battering rams and took my babies out in the street in their underwear. Thank God my daughter was not there because she'd still be in therapy. I mean, the boys are just, you know, boys are just able to be, I think, I don't know, our boys are still so resilient, but... But that's to think like of that, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's going to be with how, them, you know, mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives. I mean, that's the first thing when we moved to Florida the next week. I think what hit home was I took Ryan to the pool, was hanging out with him, and he asked me seriously, like, are people with guns going to come get me here? And, you know, like, that's a worry of his, which that right there, I it, you know, set me off inside. I was like, dude, I cannot believe, you know, that I know. they have to deal with this. Yeah. And Even then when y'all came to visit... Here, he had somebody had said something about they said something and it sounded like NCIS, but that it was that's not what they said. And he said, That's that's who held me at gunpoint, and that's who took my dad. And I was just bawled my eyes out. I'm like, That I mean, he is so innocent, and he should have, you know, it. I just don't understand. Well, you take the hate out of that, yeah, yeah, I just don't understand how they can do that to the kids. Yeah, yeah. No, that was us. They they had no idea what's going on. They just have to go do that, and that's yeah. the protocol. So when you explain, I was like, yeah, well, they weren't here to kill you. They were here to actually protect you. And mm-hmm. when things are going down, and when we get in our, I understand that. Yeah, we get pissed at because that happens too. But yeah, look, yeah. look behind that. Part. I'm just saying because we have been there. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's mm-hmm. uh, there are a certain handful that that task that out to guys like us, and when we're mm-hmm. on the receiving end of it, it's. Obviously, we, we feel, feel that way, and it'd be tough to explain that. But if you yeah. explain it, like, hey, look, that's, they're not, they weren't And that's, that's the mindset I have about uh, this whole thing, you know, whether it's dealing NCIS or even the command, the teams, mm-hmm. you know, because I've been asked a million times, like, you know, what are your thoughts on the teams now? Or, like, would you let your son join? And I have the same thought about everything. I'm like, I'm not going to place blame on a whole group of people yeah. like mm-hmm. the teams or NCIS. Like there are bad actors, yes, mm-hmm. involved in that whole thing and 
yeah, do they should they be held accountable? They should, but we're not going to blanket statement, you know, a whole a whole group just because mm-hmm. a few bad people. I mean, that timeline too, when you came through, there was a silly season. Yeah, I mean, there was some stuff. I mean, yeah, think about it. If all that other stuff wasn't going on, that probably wouldn't have transpired. Mm-hmm. Well, and the war oh, had been going on for so yeah. long, mm-hmm. and it's like, when do these guys get a break? But, right. but like Eddie, like they don't want a break. Mm-mm. You know, they wanted they to keep going, yeah. and so it's just a disaster waiting to happen because yeah. it's so much. Even though you don't think of it as trauma, it is so much trauma mm-hmm. over and over and over and over. Right. Yeah, and there there's definitely a lot to be said too about like, you know, the guys that started serving. I mean, I really want to do a focus case study around the guys <laughs> that started serving before 9/11 or through mm-hmm. 9/11 because they are absolutely so unique. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't I don't think we're going to really grasp the fullness of that until way further out mm-hmm. about what did that do? What did that do to the guys and the families and the kids? But you know, our situation was definitely unique as far as what we had gone through and I think that, you know, we're going to continue to try to use it as a positive tool to, you know, bring hopefully positive changes um, to the community and to the way that they treat people. Um, But to me, it goes back to the Constitution. Like if we're just abandoning constitutional rights, that he has a right to a fair trial, even as a service member. Mm -hmm. And I know you give up your constitutional rights per se when you join the military. And we really didn't realize that. Like he was giving his whole self and he was fine to do that. But um, throughout the course of it, it's like you have to stand by, you know, innocence until proven guilty and you have a right to a fair trial. And due process is a part of that, which was completely obliterated in our case. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, it was it was pretty eye opening for us. My gosh. Yeah. Is there something that you thought of every day that got you through that nine months? Yeah, her. (laughs) I mean, the kids. I mean, that's yeah that's it that i mean and i talk to god every day you know i literally would have conversations with him in my jail cell um but that's what keeps you going mm-hmm. you know um because it's very it's very easy like when you're sitting there to go down a dark hole if you want to and you can feel yourself starting to do it like mm-hmm. you know you know getting angry or whatever or you're just like the situation sucks uh but you you know i would talk to god and he would fill me with you know, positive energy and just, you know, my faith in him. But then also I would think of the kids. I mean, I, I would luckily, they, eventually I was able to have a picture of the kids and her. So I had it like taped on the wall and, you know, it's sort of just like being on a deployment, you yeah. know, you're like, that's what I'm coming I mean, home. Rout- routine it down, right? Yeah. But without your guys, I mean, that's like a well, whole that's other the, thing. Uh, yeah. That's the other thing. I mean, I had, I made a couple, two buddies. And so there was another seal in there with me who, uh, Arrows and pears, right? <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. He was waiting. So he knew I was coming. Uh, he was in there probably a week before me, and um, I ended up going to general population with him. And I actually had put him through buds, um, and we just sort of paired up. Um, and we, you know, helped each other out uh, as far as dealing with all the frustrations that go along with being in the brig. And then I made another friend, uh, uh, Jason Thompson, who was in there. He was just, uh, I think he was a cook or I think for the in the Navy and was in there for some whatever BS, but he was really really cool guy. So, you know, I paired up with them, and that that helps you get through too. You know, you don't want to sit there alone the whole time. Uh, yeah. Was there a certain verse or anything that 
that you stuck by? Oh, yeah. Counted all joy when you fall into various trials. That was every night. Every night I would just say that out loud. Literally trials. Um, huh? I said literally ended up being yeah. trials. <laughs> yeah. So a trial. <laughs> I said that one every night, um, you know, and when I prayed and that's, it's, you know, God is good. It's, yeah. uh, he literally... We really kept, I mean, that was the, uh, our anchor during all of it. And like, that's what everyone, you know, everyone that attributes whatever I did or whatever he went through and they give, I'm like, we were completely built for this. So God used all of my natural talents and abilities and my, I am fiercely, fiercely loyal. And so the fact that what they did to him, I mean, I think it just, you know, I thank God that he had equipped me previously to know, and I could see the situation, but it's, it was completely his strength that got us through. It was, he was really relying on God in jail, and I was clearly relying on God to just keep me afloat and keep me, and every day I would just wake up, and I would fight day and night, day and night, just to get his story out and to let people know what was happening. And I mean, you know, it's definitely by the grace of God. There were so many things that happened that in our own strength would have never occurred were it not for even people like you guys just reaching out and being like, you have a place here. I mean, we had been completely disenfranchised from everybody. We were untouchable on so many levels because it was just like people did not want to be near us. Um, and it was that, eye-opening. Yeah. I mean, that, that meant the world to me. Like when she told me you guys had her and the kids out, I mean. You know how it is in the beginning when the word started spreading with us, we st stand back so we're not standing away. Mm -hmm. And then when everyone would ask me something, I thought, well, I don't, I don't know anything. That's yeah. the biggest thing you can say. Yeah. You teach us that in our trading boards. If you know the answer, say, I'll get back to you on that when I find something. Yeah. yeah. So we would just kind of wait and let that thing unfold. And Dude, Well, I, can, I can't tell you. I mean, I know I, we talked about it yesterday. And, I mean, you gave me the same response. And you're like, of course. Why, yeah. like, it's, why wouldn't I? Well, during that time, I don't, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like, well, of course, you know, we're mm -hmm. brothers. It's like it, that wasn't happening a lot. So just to have that was like this ray of, like, light, like, oh, my gosh. Thank God, you know, mm -hmm. and you be able to look, you were out here looking after my kids, you know, take, you know, taking a fish and everything that, that seriously. Well, that, well, uh, actually yeah. caught the biggest fish. Right, caught the yeah. biggest fish ever. <laughs> I mean, no fish, right? Yeah. And I even said. <laughs> the fish tail. All right, let's throw one right over there because I think we're going to get a big one. Just trying to fire him up. Yeah. And he did, I mean, he drug that, that sucker out of there. And Irish just, luck. Well, yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he still talks about that. I was like, you that. little turd, get, <laughs> get back here, throw it back in, because we want to take it up to the house. It's like, no, I've been trying to catch that sucker ever since, man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Renee, do you have a question? I do, just because as a wife of someone who's in, you know, law enforcement, what, because like you said, this could literally happen to, I know this is the SEAL community, but whether it's Homeland or whatever, what advice would you give to a wife or a spouse when something like this happens where it's not just 
public scrutiny, mm -hmm. but it is also, it's almost like David and Goliath, mm -hmm. you know? And like, how, what would you, what is the first step? Like, what do you do when you feel like, yeah, yeah there's, there's nobody who's usually there that we reach out to, right, right. to when you're in a situation like that, because it does happen. Yeah. I mean, I would, you know, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the first thing you would give to another wife or spouse yeah. as to what well, to I do? I feel like a lot of women would give up. And I mean, this, yeah. obviously we're talking about the SEAL community, but there's like right now law enforcement is yeah. so mm -hmm. under like extreme examination mm -hmm. and border patrol and, you know, all of these different mm -hmm. variations of um, our security. Um how do you, as a wife, mm -hmm. protect your husband, support your husband, and, you know, pull him through it mm -hmm. when it's not, when it's above, above you and yeah. above, out of, completely out of control for you? I mean, again, I totally relied on God to just empower me, to give me the direction and the wisdom that I needed. And so, I mean, I do have natural giftings that lended to me being outspoken. But as far as in our community, like that's, you don't talk. You don't talk about his job. You don't talk about him. You don't post pictures of him. You don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. So it was for me... Um, I just can't emphasize enough how much it was a defining moment where the realization that everything had been pulled out from under us and that the community that we knew and everything that we called home was no longer available for us to turn to, I had to develop that strength within myself. And um, God enabled me to do that, but it's also, he's completely owned by the government. They locked him away and they threw him in a cell so he could not have a voice. And I think that many of our veterans and many of our police and first responders and border patrol, these men and women that are at the front lines, obviously, hopefully, God willing, are supported by a spouse that is able to, when it hits the fan, that you have got to speak up on behalf of these people. Um, and because he couldn't, like he couldn't even speak out against what was happening really, even if he was, let's say, um, out of jail, he really wouldn't have had the ability to do that. But because I'm married to him, I am not technically owned by the government. I have the ability to exercise my rights as an American and say, constitutionally, what you're doing to him is a complete farce. Like you cannot treat him like this. You have to allow him the right to defend himself. He was being restricted from legal counsel. He was being restricted from any availability to all of the services that we as humans and Americans constitutionally have. And so I think that we learned through my brother-in-law and I just really, you know, carving this path was like my brother-in-law had known a lot about government and he was on Capitol Hill for 10 years working for different people in Congress. He used that skill set and I used my skill set and I put the story out in the way that I did and he put it out in the way that he did. And it was really just something that we carved this path that now we have a nonprofit because we identified that, you know, as you've said, so many people are going through stuff like this. It's not just service members. It is our police. It's our first responders. We've got to defend these people. So before he even exited the military, we started the Pipeter Foundation. That's our nonprofit. Because what we realized was people do not 
intrinsically a lot of times have the ability to navigate these situations on their own. So I would say, you know, look for reliable resources, look for people that are knowledgeable and that have insights. But I feel like we're in a whole new era of like, the people are being attacked that have been really fighting for this country. Um, so that's why the nonprofit is what it yeah. is, is for that help and guidance that people might need that now find themselves in these situations. So whether you're a spouse or a service member or someone, um, the foundation was created to help you navigate these types of situations. Um, we did not have that, but we're thankful that we're able to be a part of offering that to people now that might find themselves in these types of situations, sadly. So... I know that both of y'all relied on your faith through mm -hmm. this whole thing. At any point, did you get so deep in the hole that you got mad at God or you started to lose faith? I personally didn't, but obviously this had a wider effect on a lot of people that loved us, loved Eddie, loved me. And I mean, I think, I don't know if I'd say mad at God, but I, there's so much confusion mm -hmm. and anxiety and just... It's, it was terrifying for mm -hmm. a lot of people yeah. around us. I never once got mad at him or, you know, I, I just don't, I've never thought like that to where it's like, oh, you're doing this. Mm -hmm. Like stuff is happening for a reason. Yeah. It's either my doing, like, did I make this happen? Or, you know, is this happening for some other mm -hmm. purpose? Um, and that's just the attitude that, you know, what, my first couple months in there, yeah, I sat there and was blaming myself for everything. Like I was like, I must have done something, you know? So obviously, I, and we're taught that in the SEAL teams, like, hey, you own, if this is happening, own it. Like, yeah. this is happening for a reason. So I went through, I mean, from the beginning of when I took that platoon, like, I, every, like, okay, what did I do to, like, make them go to this level? And I could I still could I couldn't find any excuse, really. You know, I was like, <laughs> nothing they did validated what was going on, mm -hmm. but, or nothing I did to them, mm -hmm. or what they said I did would validate, even if some of their lies were true. I'm like, that still doesn't, you know, it's not a reason to, to put me away for life and, you know, without parole. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but I did, you know, I did have low moments in there and that's, that's going to happen. You know, I mm -hmm. definitely was frustrated. There was a lot of, I mean, throughout the course of being locked up and everything she was going, you know, doing and my brother was doing, there was, it was like an emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm. We'd have like a high point one week where, oh, you're going to get out or this, you know, so-and-so is mm -hmm. going to help. And then, Two days later, like, oh no, never mind, it's not happening. You and know, then and so else would and then happen, and it, it was just down. These, it was crazy. I mean, it got to a point <clears throat> where there were so many highs and lows. When the president had tweeted, "Let him out," I mean, I was told, I think by one of my lawyers, like, "Hey, this he's gonna do it." And I, I mean, my attitude was like, "What? What? Like, whatever. We'll see." You know, because I just didn't want to let myself. Get excited. Get, you know, mm -hmm. that expectation. That, that, and the same thing. You yeah. Know, I thought there were nights I was laying down and they would tell me like, oh, it's coming at 10 o'clock to get you out of here. And I'd be like, yeah. I'll be ready. Like dressed. Yeah. And then, you know, then you're yelling at the clock. Like, well, you know, and then the day would go by. Just, you get to the point where like, you know what, I'll just, 
when it goes down, right? It's exactly. Kind of like keep your yeah. mind humble. And- yeah. The way I like sort of it's, you know, when you're going through Hell Week and you uh, do the med checks and they put you in the dry camis for about two, two minutes. Yeah. I hated i was like i don't i don't want the dry camis just leave me miserable until it's over Mm -hmm. like i want it and that's my mindset when i was in there i was like just let me like be in my space here until we get to trial like i'm i was so done with the highs and lows you know yeah Um, it was a roller coaster it was but like i said i had you know i talked to her on the phone she was my rock the whole time she either smacked me back into 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 space or talked me down to um, if I was feeling low or whatever, um, and I had I had a great group of friends that visited me every weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know the the Aconiacs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they came religiously. Um, Andy and Kelsey of like Andy, half and, Andy and Kelsey Arbito from Half Ace. I mean, they were there every weekend, and that I mean, there was weekends where I didn't want to see them. And I was like, I don't want visitation. Mm-hmm. I because I was in bad headspace, but you know they'd come and I'd be forced to go see them, and it would bring me out of it. Yeah, you know. So they, I mean, all of that attributed to like me being able to get through mm-hmm. you know being in there so our um theme mm-hmm. is never quit mm-hmm. so that can mean anything with your story that's your marriage that's your faith that's proving innocence what do you believe your never quit story is so there's so many never quit stories wrapped up in this what happened but i mean it's i think it's just the attitude that i've had since i joined the military which is every you know i it's just the grit that you have to like get through everything i mean i've everything i've done i've failed you know and had to come back into like buds i got rolled there you know free fall i got rolled 18 delta i got rolled i mean but it's taking those little failures and learning from them and then i'd always come back and crush it you know, the next time, like, do better than most of the class just because it was my second time doing it. But that's just how my brain works. You know, sometimes I got to screw things up. Um, but taking that same attitude into this, it's, you know, we went through all this this nightmare. And just like, you know, we saw behind a curtain, just like she said, that we didn't know existed. And we're like, we're not going to play the victim role here. You know, I think that I think playing the victim role has been, it's like a disease that's come across America. Like everything, oh, I'm a victim, you know, because this happened to me. It's like, no, we're not going to be the victims. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to fight back and we're going to help other people that are put in our situations. And that's, that's, and you know, we're still going with it. And I think that's just the, I never quit attitude. We could have easily been done with this and sort of just slunk back into the shadows and been like, oh, we don't, we don't want to deal with this anymore. Um, but instead we went, we're going full force into it and uh, we're going to, you know, fight for active duty, law enforcement, first responders and stand up for what, you know, what's right. And that's due process, which a lot of people aren't getting nowadays. And, uh, you know, we're going to sit there and we're going to support their families, uh, raise money for their legal fees. um, And then also, you know, the marriage, the, our marriage has always has been a never quit thing our whole career as well. I mean, it's been like I talked about before, it's ups and downs of and it's just like every I think every married couple in the teams or I imagine law enforcement or anywhere else goes through it. You, know, you do a dangerous job. There's a lot of stress that comes with it coming back from either deployments or late night shifts. You know, you're going to have um, 
issues, you know, with decompressing, and it's on both the husband and wife to deal with those. Um, and we've been doing that for mm-hmm. the past 12 years, and every struggle that we've gone through has only made us stronger and closer together. And, I mean, this yeah. obviously this whole nightmare definitely has solidified us into one, I think. Like, we're, yeah, I mean, I feel like we, we're as strong as we've ever been, um, and we're just going to keep fighting for everybody else. That's awesome. Yeah. And you don't get battle weekend, you get battle hardened. That's right. The team That's guys right. make awesome victims because we we either fight with everything. And that's mm-hmm. funny. Like, people are like, I got you know, a hard day. This is, I was like, we went to, you went to Hell Week, right? <laughs> yeah. Remember how freaking hard that was? Yeah. We volunteered for every second of that. That's right. But when you tell us when we have to stand down, because we can take a beating. Mm-hmm. That's how we're, we're made. We want to take a beating. Yeah. We're made for that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Just to sit there and then how, what happens? They beat on us till they get tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even when we do get tired is when we turn on. You know, that's, that's how they train us, completely different than everybody else. They wear us out, and then they put something in our hands to learn how to operate it. So when the enemy wears us down, they think it's a good thing. It's not. Yeah. But we'll just kind of sit there and take it until somebody steps in and, and helps out in that one regard. Then they can't, they can't mess with y'all. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. That's right. There's, not, there's a difference between <laughs> they found out. Like fighting and then like fighting out. back. Because mm-hmm. when you come back at them, then they have to deal with that as opposed to just laying everything on you. Yeah. And in the beginning, it's hard. Yeah. You don't, when, especially when they take everything away. Yeah. I mean, they removed you completely out of there, threw you in the Chateau deep, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They did. I mean, you got a letter from somebody saying you did this, couldn't even ask about it. Yeah. I mean, it just follows it all the way down up to the point to where you're sitting here now. Now, watching you all. Yeah. It's that strength, that bond that created. People watch, look at that. Yeah. I mean, because if you can go through it and, and have what you've had to go through and then these still stand strong, that's a, that's how you form those environments that people look to like, all right. Well, I do. I think it's like, it's part, like the never quit thing is part of the American spirit. I mean, you really look at like, I think that's why the American public and the people resonated so much with our story was because they saw the love, they saw the loyalty, they saw the commitment to truth and integrity in the system. And, you know, when we went to write the book, that's why we both have chapters in the book. It's predominantly like a he said, she said type of story where they really did try to take us and tear us apart. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they physically threw him away. They put me, you know, they put us away from each other. And we are, it's just like the team guys, like they get their strength from each other. It's the same for us. But I feel like we both really turned to God in that time to continue to grow in a way that we did become so bonded. Like it is like you're in that crucible, you're in the fire together. And you really do have I think for us, it's such a unique bond that we've always shared and people have always commented on it. And then it's like now what we have been through and to stand you know, side by side and face all of this together and to walk out of that courtroom and like even the cover on our book, it's us walking out of the courtroom and it's just like, my head is held high. He has been vindicated. What we said was happening the whole time was proven in a court of law. <laughs> it's yeah. like, this is why we fought. Because if we did not fight, if we would have quit, they would have taken him out for the remainder of his life, thrown him in jail, destroyed me, destroyed my children. And potentially the fabric of that community, because it really did rock the community mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, it's still, 
I think, recovering from. Um, but we definitely have to hold our service members and all of the people that protect us in a higher standard and at least afford them the ability, the right to defend themselves and to have fair trials, even if something does happen, mm -hmm. even if accusations are leveled. These are just foundational principles that I think as a country, we have to not quit on that. And that's what I would say to mm -hmm. any listener, like never quit is something that no matter what it looks like in 2020, I know is difficult for everybody, but I hope that people can look at our story and when they get the book, they will see like, we didn't quit. We came out on the other mm -hmm. side better. And it is possible for anyone in this country to do the same, but you do have to stand up and fight. Sometimes and you have to use your voice, mm -hmm. your abilities, your skills, and you're going to be put in hard situations. It's yeah. it's the way of the world right now. But I do think it's a real refining moment in our country that I hope people will will look at us and look at you guys and say, you know, all things are possible. And it's by the grace of God that we're here today. But yeah. we're going to keep trying to help other people. I do hope that maybe people that even that don't agree with us, don't agree with whatever, they can pick up this book and look at it and say, man, this is what I thought mm -hmm. back in 2018, 2019, all of this before me. If they want to get in the wormhole and really do the digging, you can, what you should be doing is you can make your own decision. You yeah. can not listen to a narrative and you can choose on your own. And that's what I think, you know, I hope a lot will come out of our story, just education for people to understand. Like if you believed in the first clickbait headline you read, then you believe he's a war criminal. Right. And, you know, if by the end of it, your mind was changed because you started to hear different stories. But for, for much of the first six months, there was not one story written about him that didn't demonize or villainize him with with zero information no it wasn't yeah my name still doesn't come up in articles it says war criminal next to it every time yeah like, we've actually experienced that on a smaller yeah. scale just bashing you know for different mm -hmm. things i don't even want to get into it and give it validity but um it stressed me it, to mm -hmm. him he was like it's fake news Pay you know like mind. don't worry yeah. about well, it i mean let's do it yeah, yeah. But you're not gonna stand I, there in front of me and be like Somebody saying something in a completely different town, I, I don't, it's not yeah. in front of me. That doesn't even yeah. exist in my world. Right. It rocked I mean, me yeah. though, like, because I knew that it wasn't true. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted to prove truth so bad, but all of our counsel and everybody was like, it doesn't matter. Right. Nope. It's, you got to pick it's your battles. going to, it, the news cycle is mm -hmm. whatever, three days, it's going to be gone. Nobody's ever going to remember it again. And, and it didn't cause any good or bad like mm -hmm. it was just to terror terrorize our reputation and it hurt so bad mm -hmm. but i had to just let it go and i mean especially because he didn't care about well, it. well that makes but. you that's a that's a source of strength too like yeah. it makes you stronger being able to mm -hmm. just let stuff like that yeah. go. i mean we went through it as well yeah. i was like oh my god losing my mind the first couple months yeah. i was out like why are they still writing right. all this stuff but I, after a while i'm like dude I don't like who cares. Right. You know, like go ahead. Yeah. If that's it is hurtful though. I mean to see and then you see like all the comments on it and people like jumping on that train, like, mm -hmm. oh, I can't believe they did that and ugh, That's all those it, people's problems. That's yeah. Keyboard yeah. warriors. Yeah. It is sweat. Yeah. 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 I'm kind of the same as Marcus. I don't 
care, like mm-hmm. one bit. And he and his family are definitely more oh, my words family of affirmation. Is like, they want to go on a shooting spree every time. <laughs> like, Let's get them. And I'm yeah. like, it's not going to. like. It I was grew like up in a talking them down from the We always talk smack back to each other anyway. Right. So if I read something and it's good, I'm like, that's good. Even yeah. if it's hardcore. Yeah. I always look at it like that. Yeah. And I always boil it down to the person yeah. who's who's trying to say it. And then if it's real big to you, come try to say it in front of me. Right. Yep. If you're that bad about Save it. Yeah. If you're face. so upset about it, then come find me and tell me about it. Otherwise, that's and a blip in the air. Man. Yeah, you know it, is. I mean? it really is. It's <laughs> the nothing. same people that have enough hours in a day to comment and be derogatory are not the people that are yeah. ever going to stand up for anything yeah. to say it to your face. Yeah. So yeah, we've, we've definitely, it's been a big learning curve, but yeah, being in this position, um, you know, you do realize there's, a, there's a lot of negativity out there, but again, you have to focus and turn it into. Haters going to hate. That's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> turn it into a they do exist down here. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. In the game, you got to have to have the antagonist. You got, I mean, we have people mm-hmm. in the SEAL teams and I'll have people run across like, yeah, you know this team guy? He's just an ass. I'm like, yeah, I'm magnificent. Well, he's a, just a, a mean guy. <laughs> yeah. But he's yep. ours. Yeah. Right? Exactly. If he, if he doesn't have anybody to be mean at, he's got to be mean at, at me. Mm-hmm. So I understand that style. Yeah. And then you can understand when people who just talk smack just because they they can. Right. They're often, there's no consequences. Every time you tap into that phone, it's like tapping into a video game. Yeah. You can pull oh yourself out of it. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. <laughs> right? and, and, and in reality, social media should probably be erased at the end of every day. Yeah. Because people hold on and, and begrudge and get upset about stuff that was written oh, two yeah. or three weeks ago. Stew on and it. that person could be dead. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. You know what I mean? It should. It, it's the social media. It's it's recycles, right? Because mm-hmm. you we socially we we push past something. We don't dwell on something. Yeah. And, but I mean, you can harbor on it, and the people who do that, that's their thing. Yeah. But how you know you're having a great time is you're not around them. Mm-hmm. But you, you but you know yeah. they're there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. so you it, 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 anything can consume you if you let it. It's just yeah. but don't. Or if you just pay, yeah. If you all you're doing is paying attention to the negative, like look at all the positive things on social media, and yeah. that's a that's the thing. Like I love getting on there and seeing what you guys are doing, mm-hmm. what like half base plays, tribe skates, like all these veteran owned companies. Yeah. And I think that's dude, that's the most amazing thing that I've seen since I got out is all these veteran owned companies, especially you know a lot of them obviously are team guys because of where we came from, but. They start these companies and what they're doing, the amount that they give they're back. They're giving back. Like all they're the all time. they're all meant to be serving others. Yeah. Like, and like that's, the service never ends; it just changes. It does. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what we've You're learned. You're a lifelong servant, and you'll mm-hmm. see that the more that comes around and that goodness shines out, mm-hmm. that the, those people who are always upset, they're, the more insignificant yep. they become, the more they'll kind of complain until we, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Push them around. You have to learn. That's that's just a discipline thing. Yeah. I mean, if they're saying one thing, it's because they're from one area. Yeah. And a lot of people yep. are complimental. So there's no sarcasm over the over the net. <laughs> <laughs> like, I say it's stuff. I, ty- I type some stuff sometimes trying to be joking around and be like, well, he's just. Oh or a movie my quote. Gosh. I go throw a movie quote. It's perfect for the situation, and people just lose, lose their, their minds. Mind. Oh, Get my upset. Gosh. I'm like, I thought that was funny. You didn't think that was funny, man? And, and, and that's. <laughs> you guys do have a very specific sense right. of humor. And if you forget <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to get upset at everything around you, but in reality, we're the ones that that doesn't bother. Oh my gosh. Our armor is too thick yeah. for that. Addie was like three years old, and Marcus posted something on Facebook, like basically an open letter to her future boyfriend. Oh, and it was this really <laughs> long thing about like, I'm you're going to have to lasso a tornado, and like you're going to have to prove yourself by all of these unrealistic things. And it went 
so viral, but people took it literal. Oh. It was on BBC, and they were wow. like, "This Texan thinks that there he that you know he can find somebody." <laughs> Me and Marcus were out last round. Oh my tornadoes this morning. <laughs> two like, out the back. Yeah. I was like, "Are so. they kidding?" And then they wanted him to come on the news and like defend his position on it. And I'm like, "It was a joke." She's three. Well, this I don't have to defend against them. It's for the boyfriend. It yeah. yeah. had nothing to do with anybody else but that dude. But <laughs> it's like, so yeah. funny because there's six It doesn't even exist right now. Ten-minute breath holds reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Y'all are supposed to be the People just stronger, don't understand better, better pastor, right? their yeah. sense of humor at all. Yeah. yeah. But it's hard. It's, oh, my gosh. Guess what? We don't care. Oh. Yeah. Because <laughs> when they come back at us, I think that's the witty banter. You know, oh, like, I love it. That's yeah. all you got. I, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, I heard you gotta think head. of how many of the hours these guys spend just like complete BSing, making up their own stories. Oh, and yeah. We have that's... nothing else to do besides sit there and do that. Yeah. I wonder how good I can get at yeah. cutting you down. Yeah. They don't show that on the that's movies, like... though. They show you guys in No, 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 right. Yeah. They, well, they, they don't show you guys like 60% like, of the deployment. Stuck in a plane for seven hours doing yeah. nothing. Yeah. I did think it was fun in Lone Forever how they did implement, like when Shane Patton was uh, doing the Napoleon Dynamite dance. Because oh, yeah. it kind of showed like, yes. like a little bit of their humor. That's the shenanigans. Yeah. yeah. Um, but a, a lot of people don't even remember that part because they remember, you know, it was obviously about something totally well, yeah. different. Yeah. But, um, but it's like a little glimpse that they yeah. are silly. These guys do have a, a very silly Oh, we're side. goofballs. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Have to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for coming oh, on you. and sharing oh, your story. It. And we can't wait to get your book. And I will go down the wormhole and and just look at all of it because it, it was it's traumatic for everybody. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it'll be a case study for years to come for a oh, lot of yeah. reasons. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're we're definitely looking forward to people having the book in their hands because you know, even in a long long format like this, it's it's impossible to share every unique Thing that happened and the book is going to be over 500 pages oh my gosh but it's we good, couldn't though. really shorten it it is good <laughs> yeah it is good yeah. and it's definitely going to be a really good lens for people to view the totality of the situation from where it started to what what happened to us on both ends to him to myself to the children to the people that you know stood beside us and mm-hmm. what happened thereafter so yeah, we're really thankful for you guys. Yeah. How can people order the book? The book is available for pre-order currently at um, eddiegallagherbook.com, or you can go to Eddie's website at theeddiegallagher.com, and there's links to it there. And pretty much anything that we're involved in um, is linked on his site as well. So people Isn't can Isn't it on that Amazon, out. too? Yeah, it it's is also on Amazon. Amazon. I think that's yeah. why I ordered yeah. it. Yeah. I think. I yeah, it is available for, for pre-order right now yeah. on Amazon yeah. as well. So, yeah. Well, good. We'll get it out there. Shed some light on it. Shed some light on the people who were abusing their spot. Yeah, it'll all come out too. There's going to be a lot of names in the book, and just um, you know, we try to hold people accountable. Made sure that was a big thing. Writing the book was I wanted to be very respectful to the community and to the because I still even after that happened, my yeah, we love heart still belongs to the community, and I. Left out names. I mean, there's I use little code names, but for people that were bad actors and that need to be held accountable, their names are in there. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and we did try to hold them accountable through because the institution itself. No, but the people in there that abuse. That's yeah, a, that's the thing. Right. 
Right. Yeah. We file different, you know, IG investigations and things afterwards um, in regard to NCAS and the behavior and then also just within how it was handled. And it was pretty much like, yep, we're good here. Yeah, so the we're Navy's like, like nothing was done wrong. No, we're not taking that for an answer. So yeah, we're still currently Well, then how did that happen? What's yeah. that? Like if if nothing said, was done wrong yeah, on their side, said, then how did this whole thing happen? That's yeah. the Well, that's the funny thing is we got the response back. Like, we looked into it. Nothing was done wrong. Move on. And you're like, okay. Well, and then we got, there so now is, we're in a lawsuit with them. So. Yeah, we're in a lawsuit with the United States Navy and the New York Times reporter who did most of the smearing that they gave him all of his privacy protected information. But I, I do think years to come after this, there will be consequences that are leveled just to recreate the equilibrium that was lost during that time that we were victims of. But again, if it's all for writing the path and the course so that no one else has to go through this again, then it's all yeah, worth that's a big it. deal to bear false witness against somebody. Uh, yeah, very yeah. big deal with zero accountability. So yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it and it'll be, it'll be a big, uh, big deal, I guess, yeah. when it comes out with the book. Welcome back, man. Oh, I appreciate yeah. it. One hell of a ride. You earned it. <laughs> Relax now. Enjoy this. Oh, what, what you're building. And, absolutely. I mean, the Being energy here that y'all have. And, yeah. Sure. I mean, just that could have very easily twisted and went the wrong way. You twisted it and pushed it forward. So keep it that. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. Let us know what you think. If you loved the episode, let us know by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Leave some comments in YouTube. Come on. We love to hear those comments. Maybe the guys will come back and respond to your questions. Hey, we, we can't thank you guys enough for coming back every Wednesday to listen to these episodes. Make sure if you haven't already, follow us on social media, teamneverquit.com slash social. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, anywhere you get your podcasts. We've got some brand new podcast merch, flags, all kind of awesome swag in stock at shop.teamneverquit. Man, thank you guys so much for listening to the episode. Eddie and Andrea, thank you guys again. We'll see you next week. <laughs>